God is on my side, and he is faithful in his promises. And so we look forward to a brand new year together, and uh, I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11. And uh, on the back of your bulletins, there's a place for sermon notes, and I'm going to ask everybody to take out uh, that, because I also want you to look at the Bible blog in just a moment as well. So if you have your bulletin, just turn it over. There's a pen in front of you. I'm going to give you three words to write down today. You can also write down any of the scriptures that we, we have, but just encourage you to, to get that ready. And as we begin a new year together, uh, we open God's word. There's a lot of people making New Year's resolutions. Almost half of us will make a New Year's resolution to lose weight or to save money or to get along with your family or to learn something new or to travel or There's so many different New Year's resolutions, and about 8% of you that make them will actually keep your New Year's resolution. 8%. Who are you people? I mean, I I, I don't know if I've ever, uh, I don't know if I've ever met somebody that actually kept their New Year's resolutions, but it's good to have goals, and so I'm going to do something a little different this year. I'm going to quit some things. I journal uh, throughout the year, and this past year I've been journaling and making a list of things I'd like to quit, and that's actually in the Bible blog today, and so you can look at that uh, with me, and and there's some things I want to try to quit in 2018. I want to quit trying so hard. I want to quit negative thinking. I want to quit complaining. I want to quit being afraid. I want to quit feeling worthless. I'm going to quit judging others and judging myself. I want to quit people-pleasing. I want to quit coasting and numbing out and wasting time. I want to quit worrying. I want to quit doing God's job. I want to quit being a Pharisee. I want to quit hating. I want to quit surviving. And I want to quit trying to be perfect. I want to quit trying to do all those things. And that's a pretty big list. And so I thought, I'm not going to remember all those. Which one should I focus on? Which is the one I should quit? And maybe that one would help some of the other ones. And I want to share you the one that I, I want to quit in, in my life. And I, I'd like all of us to quit this. This one actually impacts all the others. I'm going to ask everybody to quit being a Pharisee. Quit being a Pharisee. It's probably one of the biggest problems that Christians have is, is moving into this idea of being a Pharisee. And as I say quit being a Pharisee, I can already hear people saying, I'm not a Pharisee. When you object to being a Pharisee, you probably are a Pharisee, and it's ironic that a lot of us move into being a Pharisee when Jesus' harshest criticisms were leveled against this group of religious leaders. And it's not that Jesus hated the religious leaders, the Pharisees, he actually loved them very, very much. In fact, if you read through the Gospels, he spends more time with Pharisees than anyone else because he loves them. And he's trying to call them to himself. Now, I don't want to do a big teaching today on who the Pharisees were, but just to give you an understanding of who these people are that Jesus is always fighting with in the Gospels, they're a very strict group of religious leaders that began in the intertestamental time period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they had their heyday during the time of Jesus. They taught and strived to follow every single law that God gave both in the Old Testament, but also whatever any rabbi would teach. They wanted to teach everything, and they wanted to follow everything. And so they were called the experts in the law. 
Their name literally means to separate. They wanted to be separate from everyone else, anybody else who didn't follow the rules. They wanted to be the chosenest of the chosen. That's the Pharisees. So when Jesus shows up and he doesn't start following all their rules, they get mad at Jesus and they reject Jesus. And they can say, how can you be the Messiah and you're not following our rules? And Jesus tries to teach them, my ways are higher than your ways. In fact, when they get mad at Jesus for healing on the Sabbath or the disciples are picking grain on the Sabbath, Jesus has to stop and say, look, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. What he's saying there is what I teach about the Sabbath is so much more important than anything you'll ever teach about it. In the Sermon on the Mount, the most important teaching of Jesus, he says, you've heard it said, but now I tell you. You've heard it said, don't murder, but I tell you, don't hate your brother. Jesus is saying, you've heard the Pharisees teach you about this, but I'm telling you, there's a new way. And Jesus' way, listen to me, Jesus' way is all about the heart. It's all about the heart. And the Pharisees' way is all about the rules. Because the Pharisees relied on themselves to be right with God. It wasn't that God made them holy, but that they made themselves holy by following all the rules. And so many Christians do the same. We would never say this, but we would act like, hey, God, thank you for saving me from my sin. Thank you that I'm going to heaven. But I got it from here, God. I'll be good. I'll be really, really good. I just want to tell you that, that rule following is very hard work. And it's, it's actually not just difficult, it's impossible. It says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're never going to make all the rules. We're never going to do this just right. And so we need a Savior. We need Jesus. We need Jesus to come and solve the problem we have, the problem of sin. But can I tell you today that Jesus is so much more than a problem solver. We look to him for our salvation of our sins, but then we can't say, thank you, God. We got it from here. Look at what the New Testament says about Jesus. I just made a list of a few things. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Jesus is our Messiah. He is our King. He is the beginning and the end. He is our way maker. We just had Christmas. He is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is our Emmanuel, God with us. He is our good shepherd. He is the rock. He is our morning star. He is our light. Jesus is our great physician. He is our deliverer. He is the resurrection and the life. In the book of Revelation, he is the lion and the lamb, the unspeakable gift, the source, the all in all, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus is so much more. So why do we say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving me of my sins, but I'll take it from here, as though we actually could. What Jesus invites us into, he invites you, me, everyone, into this heart relationship. He says, it's not going to be about following the rules anymore. This is about knowing me. Jesus says, I want you to know me. I want you to abide with me. I want you to be so close to me that you can hear my voice. You can hear my whisper. I want you to do this because this is what you were created for. Let me tell you, a relationship with Jesus is so easy compared to following the rules. 
Because that's what we were created for. We were created for this great exchange where, where Jesus says, come, give me your old life, and then I'll give you a brand new life. I will be all of those things we just talked about. I'm so much more than just the guy that saves your sins. I want to give you a brand new life. And so stop working so hard and complaining how hard it is and make the exchange with Jesus. Your Bibles are open to Matthew chapter 11, and so that's where we look this morning. Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 28. These are words in red, words of Jesus, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the great exchange. Now look at this exact same verse in the Message Bible. It'll be up there now. It says this, Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now look at that verse. It's still on the screen. You see anywhere in that verse about following the rules? About being good? About don't do this, do this? Look at the words in there. It says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll give you real rest. Look at that line. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Keep company with me. Jesus is saying here over and over again, just be with me. Come to me. Be in relationship with me. This is about the heart now. It's not about a list of rules to follow anymore. It's about, it's about knowing me. So when you're tired and you're weary and you're heaven-laden, I'm going to give you three words that lead to three questions you need to ask yourself in order to make the great exchange. And the questions are why, what, and who. The why question, if you want to write it down in your notes, the why question is, why am I trying so hard? When I'm getting burned out, when I'm getting stressed out, when I'm, I'm getting worried about following all those, ask, why am I trying so hard? Why am I trying so hard? And that leads us to the very next question is, what am I trying to prove? The what question, what am I trying to prove? Am I trying to prove that I'm a good person to God? Am I trying to, 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 to prove my worth or that God made a good choice in choosing me? I mean, what am I trying to prove, which leads to the who question. Who am I trying to impress? Who am I trying to impress? Am I trying to impress God? Am I trying to impress someone else? What's really going on here? Why am I trying so hard? What am I trying to prove? And who am I trying to impress? Because Jesus said, just come to me. Come to me. I want to be in relationship with you. And look, when you stop working so hard, that's when Jesus can begin working in you. See, if you're trying to do it, he'll let you try. But he wants to do something great in your life. 
He wants the Holy Spirit to be at work producing fruit in your life. Stop trying to produce the fake fruit on your own. Abide with Jesus. Stop trying so hard. Stop living in fear. Stop feeling worthless. Stop judging yourself and others. Stop worrying. Stop trying to do God's job. Listen to me today. I want everybody just to see me say this. God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He'll never stop loving you. There's nothing you can do to push His love away. There's nowhere you can go to hide from His love. It is unconditional. It is forever. And that love not only saves us from our sin, it's that love that wants to make things right in our life. It's that love that wants to be at work inside of us so that Jesus can be working in me, perfecting me, so that the Holy Spirit can be inside me, conforming me into Jesus' image. That's what needs to begin to happen, is abiding with Him, coming to Him. Listen, we don't live under the law. It says in Romans in Christ, you're dead to the law. But too many Christians have this list of no-no's No, 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 no. We don't do this. And the list of the do's. And we do, 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 do this. And so we got to get rid of the, get rid of the no-no's. Get out of the (laughs) do-do. You know what I'm saying. Get out of that and get to Jesus. It's not about this list that, oh, if I follow this and it's okay. Because what happens is all of a sudden we, we're doing the work and Jesus isn't. And listen, if there's one thing Jesus wants to do in your life, he wants to fulfill his promises in you. He wants to be at work inside of you and that only comes through relationships. So make the exchange. If you are tired, if you are weary, if you are burned out, come to Jesus for rest. Survival mode is no way to live. And I watch too many people trying to live in survival mode. Survival mode is just, you do that if you have to for a moment. That's no way to live your life. He says, come to me and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. There's a story in um, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. We're not going to read it, but if you want to turn in your Bibles there, you can, and I'll just tell you the story. It's the story of of Jesus going to the house of a Pharisee. Pharisee invites him over for dinner. The Pharisee's name is Simon. And so Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus over for dinner, but the whole dinner, as you read the story, you realize he's kind of keeping Jesus at arm's length. So Jesus is there, and he's eating with the, the Pharisees and at this home. And, and then all of a sudden, during the meal, a sinful woman breaks in to the meal and comes up to Jesus falls at his feet, and begins to wash his feet with perfume, her tears, and her hair. It's a powerful picture, this extravagant love, this woman who heard about forgiveness, and she wants to come and worship Jesus. And so she just, she busts in, and and she just starts honoring Jesus. And, And Simon the Pharisee, he doesn't even say anything. The Bible says he just thinks this in his head. Yeah, he's not the Messiah. If this guy was the prophet, if this guy was really who he said he was, he would know exactly who this woman is, and he would know that she has broken all the rules and that that she shouldn't be doing this. And Jesus knows what he's thinking. 
And so he tells this story about, about debt being forgiven, a, a large debt and a small debt, and he said, who's going to be more grateful? And, and the bottom line of the story is whoever uh, is forgiven much loves much, whoever is forgiven little loves little. And Jesus says, this woman's been forgiven much, and so she loves much. When you look at that story, I, I always ask myself the question, that night, in that home, at that meal, who needed Jesus more? Who needed Jesus more? Was it a sinful woman who had broken all the rules? Or was it the Pharisee who lived his life to keep all the rules? Who needed Jesus more that night? And it's actually a trick question. Because the reality, as we know, all have sinned. They both needed Jesus that night. Both the rule breaker and the rule follower, they both needed Jesus. Here's the difference. Only one of them realized they needed Jesus. And if there's one thing I want to close out this year and begin a new year with, is the, the knowledge that I need Jesus. I need him today, and I need him tomorrow. I need him the next day. I need him in every way. And that's what I want us to walk into a new year with, not following all the rules, just waking up every morning and saying, Jesus, I need you. If ever I needed you, I need you now. That should be our heart attitude, the heart attitude of this woman. I want us to walk in relationship with Jesus. And the new year is always a good time, and we'll have a great time Tuesday night, just spending time in the presence of the Lord. And, and we're going to have a great weekend next weekend as we bring in a brand new year with the Lord. And there's, it's, it's always good to spend time with Jesus as the new year begins. But let me just tell you, every time is a good time to spend time with Jesus. There's no bad time to spend time with Jesus. Every time is a good time to spend time with Jesus. I need him in my life. I, I don't just need him at the top of my list. I need him at the center of my life, guiding and working and doing what only he can do. And listen to me today. If he is with you, if you are close to him, if he is your brother, if he is your friend, what are you afraid of? What are you worried about? The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, or chapter 8, verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Every year I have the staff uh, do an exercise. It's called One Word. And it's, it, you, you pick a word for the year. Actually, you don't pick the word. You spend time with the Lord and you allow God to pick the word. And basically it's, it's through a series of questions and then waiting on the Lord to hear his voice. And so every year we do that. We we each have, a, excuse me, we each have a, a word that we have the Lord speak to us, and then we share it with the staff. And so we did that for 2018, and, and I was praying. And as I was doing my exercises, I was just, you know, okay, God, I need your strength. I need your power. I need your wisdom for the new year. And so I'm telling God what I need, answering all the questions, and then just waiting on the Lord. And just, okay, God, what do you want to speak? What word are you going to speak to me? Because, God, I need your strength. I need your power. I need your wisdom. And, and I, I, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, well, it sounds like you need me. And so my word for 2018, as I shared with the staff, is God, because I need him. I need him every day. 
I can't wake up in the morning and say, God, I got this one. Thank you. Thanks for saving me. Thank you. I'm going to heaven. No, I need you today, God. I need you right now. I need you every hour. I need to be walking with you. I need to be in that relationship with you. Not following on the rules so you'll love me, God, but just walking with you. Because I'm going to tell you, when you walk with God and he's at work in your life, it'll take care of the rules. Don't worry about him. He says, come to me. Today, as we conclude our time together, we stay some time at the end of the service where we can just wait on the Lord. That we can sing or we can pray or we can do whatever we need to do, but we're just going to hear the song, Lord, I Need You. And we're going to enter into a time of communion in in just a moment, but before we, we move in that direction, let me just tell you this. A lot of times when we, when we take the bread and the cup and we remember what Jesus did for us, and he is our Savior. I mean, that's, that's the very first step. He is our Savior. He died on a cross for our sins, to forgive us of our sins. And we hold that bread and cup and we think of what Jesus did for us. And sometimes when we hold the bread and cup, we just begin to think, what a, what a, what a lousy sinner I am. I want to tell you, when you hold that bread and cup, instead of thinking of how bad you are as a sinner... Think about how valuable you are to God. That he stepped out of heaven and onto this earth and he lived the life and he died a painful death on the cross for you because he loves you. And he loves you not just so you'll follow this list of rules, he loves you so he can be in relationship with you. That he did all that for you. When you hold the bread and the cup in just a moment, and we close the year, new, old year, and begin a new year. He doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, hey, remember your sin. Jesus says in his word, remember me. Jesus says, remember me. Remember me that I am with you. Whatever you face, whatever you've gone through, whatever tears you've cried last year, whatever you're looking forward to in the new year, I am with you every step of the way. And let's just sing that together. And say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Would you stand as the men and women prepare to distribute our communion today?